You are now tuned in to the December 26th podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. What's up, 26ers? Welcome to another episode of the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Alicia, and we are quickly approaching the final stretch of our limited series, The Check-In. We hope you've been enjoying the updates from our previous guests. And this week, we are welcoming back one of the first members of the 26er family, Purvis Taylor III from episode 19. Purvis is an award-winning life coach, speaker, and author, and is a guest who really helped to solidify what has become a core tenet of this show, speaking your truth without shame. Since his first appearance, Purvis has continued to thrive and grow in both his life and his work. He released another book called Survival Mode and has served as a guest lecturer and speaker both in the U.S. and abroad. But like many, Purvis had to navigate canceled contracts for in-person events when the pandemic first hit. However, as we've discussed many times on this show, the events of the past 15 months or so really forced people to look inward, and many had no choice but to give greater focus to their mental and emotional well-being. Well, needless to say, this has created many new opportunities for Purvis, and the demand for his services has actually grown. With that being said, I'll let him tell you how he's continued to walk in his purpose and live in a state of abundance. Please enjoy. Purvis, welcome back to the December 26th podcast. How are you? I'm well. I'm excited to be back here. As I told you before we started recording, I was feeling a ways that I saw everybody else on there. I was like, we're, I mean, I'm here. What's good? So I'm excited to be here. Yes. And like I was telling you before we started, I went back and checked your episode number and I knew you were early on in the freshman classes as you described it, but it was episode 19. How crazy is that? It seems like it was just the other day, though, truthfully. Right. And and the way, you know, life has evolved and the way time moves is almost scary to me. Like, I think, yeah. you know, you hear people talk, you hear the old folks say and the elders say when you're younger, like, you know, life moves fast, life is short, all this other stuff. But it, the way it has accelerated for me now over the past few years and then all that we've all individually and collectively experienced yeah. Um, it, it reminds you that life is truly fleeting and we have a finite amount of time to really get out our dreams and manifest vision and, and passion. So if nothing else, this check-ins have really reminded me that like, listen, it's moving at warp speed. And, and yeah. if you want to leave a mark, you better start working towards that. You just said a whole mouthful. I wish I could that. I need to an offering because that was, that was on it. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about the way your life has evolved. Like I said, you were in our first year. So that was 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you've been in this thing, though, coaching, speaking, mm-hmm. writing books, all that stuff. But talk to me a bit about how your brand really developed since the last time you were on the show. Wow. I mean, it's definitely expanded in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I got to go to Australia to do some work with the indigenous people of Australia, teaching them emotional intelligence. Um, I was a guest lecturer at North Carolina Central University a, a few times. Um, my book has, Sathar Mode has like gone around the world and people wanted to be translated into their various uh, languages. Uh, what else? I become verified on Instagram and on Facebook and TikTok and all the other platforms. Um, Truthfully, like it, I, I feel like I've become more known in some respects, but the work I've been doing is still the same. 
you know, still about transforming lives and things like that. But um, I, I would say like, I'm kind of known as like the guy that helps men with mental health. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of been like narrowed down to that, to that person, even though I'm for everybody, but you know, I'm, I've, I've been niched. Yes. And let me say, even though I'm not a man, I did support and bias her thrival mode. Uh, great book. So, but since she brought up working with the man and become known as a man and uh, the person to help men with mental health, let me, let me pause on that, even though we didn't talk about this before, uh, bringing this into the conversation. Yeah. So you were also a part of our uh, one-year anniversary dinner, right? Yeah. Which people still reach out to me about. And one of the moments from that that everybody mentions who watch, watches it is when India Robinson said that men are not emotionally resilient, right? That yeah. was like a retch, record scratch moment because men yeah. are like, what are you talking about? Yeah. When, women had really... I think what I found is that a lot of women that I know who reached out to me feel the same, but felt like they couldn't believe that she said it out loud. Right. I remember that. And, yeah. and, and men at the table had a reaction as well. Yeah. And I think you were a bit more balanced in your response. Now, yeah. I want to just re- revisit that yeah. here because you work with men every day. Um do, do you think and for those who haven't watched that video, let's just start from the beginning. Do yeah. you think that that's an accurate statement? I think, I don't think it's an accurate statement, but I think it's true for some. Okay. I think in her experience, that was true for her because there are women who have other experiences where that isn't necessarily true. And and the thing is, I don't like to, men are not monolithic. And so I don't like to paint with a broad stroke, but there is truth to that statement. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. If I Yes, it does. It does. And so the work that you do, with men, do you feel like they exhibit a vulnerability with you and they have a safety in a way that we don't get to see? We being women, the outside world, et cetera. Uh, Yeah, that's I would say that's an accurate statement Um, only because I make it very clear that I am not a finished product, that I'm not better than them. And I also share my vulnerabilities the things that people will find shameful. I share it immediately because I don't want them to ever feel like I'm here and you're here. You know what I mean? And and so I think when you create an environment of when you're transparent as as a leader, you create an environment for sharing. And so I that's why I've been so successful for all these years in connecting with men, because I immediately out the uh, out the gate was I'm like, I've been molested. My father died of a heroin overdose. I've been homeless. I was bullied as a child. I was emasculated. I struggled with suicide ideation. And the list goes on and on and on. I don't have I don't have shame around the things that I've been through. And so I know in some respects. Every man I encounter has had can, can relate to some of those things that I've been through. And, and I think that that just establishes a safe place. I put my business out there. You can put your business out there. It doesn't matter what it is. We all got stuff. And, and, and so I think that's why I've been able to connect with men so well. So thinking about the stuff that you have and the stuff that they have that they're now pouring on you, I won't say dumping. Um, <laughs> We don't we won't even get into like quarantine and pandemic and all the added stressors there. But before yeah. that time, how do you maintain, though, your own emotional and psychological well-being hearing all of that stuff? Right. Because in some ways, when you're a coach and a therapist and all of that, mm-hmm. you're a bit of a receptacle in that people yeah. come and they're coming with a lot of heavy things. And if you're a spiritual person and you have discernment, there's a whole other element to that as well. So how do you maintain your own stability in that well, process? I made a decision long ago that I'm no one's safe 
And so I'm not meant to carry any of that stuff. So when the session ends, it ends with me. Um, but that takes work to get to get there because I care so much and I can become so involved. But I, I learned when the session's over, it's over for you and until the next time we have another session. Also, you know, I have community and I also have a therapist and I also pray. So I do things, I have safeguards in place to protect me at all times. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing being, once the session's over, it's over for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so you, you, you're doing the coaching, you have survival mode, which is mm-hmm. taking you to places, you know, unimaginable. I don't even know how you, you get to the point where you get to work with indigenous people in Australia. That is yeah. wild in, in <laughs> such a great way. Yeah. Um, but, but then, you know, January, February of last year, we start hearing these rumblings yeah. that there's a virus out there. Um, it's coming. Yeah. And and those those of us who are well connected to either the medical field or large corporations, large organizations, we really knew. Right. The conversation that that was happening. So what were you thinking when you realized that, OK, I'm a traveling speaker, lecturer yeah. and coach, and I think things might get a little bit difficult. What was going through your mind? I think, and, and then also you have contracts that are, yes. right? And um, I, which I had some, you know, several huge contracts that were in person. My first thought was, all right, so we'll just finish on virtual. Like that was, that was my thing. Like, oh, I'll just finish up on virtual. But it wasn't that simple. And it was very complex. Um, and I actually lost a few contracts because they didn't know how to transition quickly enough and and they were in panic. So they were just like, we need to save money, da, 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 da. You know what I mean? So like I, I lost contracts. Um, I think initially I had a little bit of anxiety because I didn't understand fully what was going on. But once I once I got a, a grasp of what was happening, it was just kind of like, it's kind of like, well, either I'm gonna <laughs> either I'm gonna fold or I'm gonna continue to do what I do. And I, I you know I just made that choice and I was like, let me let me start working out. Uh you know Fortunately for me, so many people needed my services during the time. So I was booked mm. during the pandemic. And I and I say that humbly and I say that with gratitude. Um, and that's actually kind of how my brand actually amplified was through the pandemic. Um, so I think I, I think for me, I was I, I had anxiety and I did have a little bit of fear. But then I said, I said, no, just because I'm in quarantine doesn't mean I have to be in quarantine mentally, creatively, spiritually. And so I just made that decision to not be that. Mm-hmm. And you know what I find very interesting as we've been doing these check-ins and it wasn't designed that we cherry pick the people that we thought things got better for mm-hmm. uh, during this time. But but what we have found, which just speaks to the 26er personality and spirit mm-hmm. is that it has, for everybody is open lanes. Like yeah. even if they had difficulty, it's, they figured out how to pivot yeah. They figured out how to how to make it work for them. And this is why, like, I'm, I'm a firm believer in purpose and, and passion. Absolutely. And purpose, I will say this, per- being in purpose was um, my saving grace. Mm-hmm. It was my self-care. Can you expound a little bit on that? Why it was your self-care? Because I felt of use. Because mm. that's, I think that's part of the trauma, right? Is that you don't feel like you're you're of use. If you're, you know, whatever your respective field was, especially if you loved what you did for a living, what you do for a living and not being able to do that, you kind of feel like useless. And I think there's something to be said about operating in purpose and being of use. 
And I know you have to rest and all those things like that, but there is a, there is a, um, a self-care within that mm-hmm. You're in purpose. So for me, it was that, like, once I was like, once I was helping so many people, I, I, I mean, it was, the stories were crazy helping fathers who lost their jobs, but they didn't know what to do. They were at home with their children. I was like, yo, you get to be fathers. And that was like revolutionary for them, you know? So it was like just helping so many people throughout the pandemic made me feel alive. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, that that feeling alive has manifested for people in different ways. So yeah. I know a lot of folks who it manifested in a positive way, but yeah. I also know people who are so used to moving a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. No time checking in internal, internally what's going on emotionally or spiritually. It's just like on to the next thing. You know, you and I both are active in the city. It, it's that wheeling and dealing. Everybody's angling for opportunity. It's, it's always about connecting here at this event, being seen. And mm-hmm. when all of that went, went away, I yeah. think some people felt alive in the sense that like, oh, I have a lot of emotions that I have not taken the time to unpack. And a lot of those emotions don't feel good, actually. And do I even like my life? Do I like my career? Do I like the person I'm with? Am Mm -hmm. I really happy? Like, I feel like all this stuff was coming out in that we felt um, uh, almost like feelings that had been pushed so far down. There was no anchor to keep them that far down. And they came right to the surface. They came right to the surface. And I, I said that last year, was a blessing of some sorts because it was a, a year of self-discovery. People discovered who they are and most importantly, they discovered who they are not. Yes. Hence why therapists now today are in burnout because there was so many therapists that were overbooked during the pandemic because people were starting to confront because they had no choice. They had to confront those issues. And the thing I always tell people, I say, you know, emotions don't die. They just transform and they show up in various ways that you can never imagine. And I think for us that you illustrated that perfectly, the anchor, there's no longer an anchor with moving, Mm -hmm. with the busyness of life. That was the anchor, right? Now you got to sit still and now you got to understand and and get a grasp of who you are. And that can be, and that was frightening for a lot of people Mm because I think our identities were enmeshed in what we did or were enmeshed with the busyness, were enmeshed with the culture. Right. And so I think we came to this space of like, yo, who am I? You know, that existential question, who am yes. I? And, and I think that was a beautiful thing of, of 2020. And I and I feel blessed that I was able to help people to navigate through that space. And do you think that your own vision for your life and who you are expanded or evolved in this time as well? Yeah, I mean, I definitely I conquered. I I mean, I was on TV a lot last year and that was a frontier that was very frightening for me. And so it caused me to not have time to panic. I just had to do, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And and so like that was the that was the blessing for me uh, within that is like I was more solidified in this is what you're supposed to do, Purvis. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like if if no other time. in your in your 40 years of living, that year solidified for me, this is what you're supposed to do. And let's talk about doing what you're supposed to do against the backdrop of like money. Because yeah. when you were on the last time, you shared a story yeah. about that valley experience of like in the, being in this horrible living situation and Home being out in yeah. the world. Yes, yeah. out in the world and still trying to speak and do your thing. Yeah. Um, particularly with like, and ex- this this experience of like, oh, contracts can go away, 
Yeah. Do you feel that you're at a place now in this brand where you're like, not only is this what I'm supposed to be doing, but I have no fear about the finances attached to it. So, you know, what's so crazy. So you're in the spirit because I literally had a session with my therapist around the trauma. I didn't realize how much trauma that, you know, living with rats, um, being homeless and, and, and being impoverished, how much they had an effect on me psychologically. And I didn't realize the other day I wanted to buy some shoes. I was like, I'm going to buy some Christian Louboutins. I'm going to buy some heart, some nice hard bottoms. And I literally, Delisha, I kid you not, I almost had a panic attack thinking about buying those shoes. I had the money. It was there. I had, you know what I mean? Like it was, that wasn't an issue, but I didn't realize how much that had an effect on me mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, the lack. When you've gone through those things, you don't think about abundance. You just think about you, you think about what, you know, just want to get by. You think about your mind is aligned with lack. And now that you're not no, no longer in that space, you have to tell yourself, you have to train your mind and soul and your being to be like, no, we're in abundance now. Mm-hmm. And abundance doesn't mean like I'm rich or any of those things like that, but I'm, I'm not in that space. And also too, knowing that God is my source. And so like no thing, everything else is just a resource, but God is my source. And so that freedom what you're speaking about, I'm 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 making a concerted effort to to live in that freedom of I'm not worrying about finances. I'm not God is going to be my provider because I didn't realize how deep seated that pain and trauma was w- within my spirit until I bought those shoes and I bought those shoes and then like as soon as I bought the shoes it was like this release I felt like this release in my body. Yes. Because I was so afraid. I like I've 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 had like tens of thousands of dollars in the bank and I'll literally sit there like this, like, like in in fear, like, you know, I need more, I need more, I need more. And I was like, then I said to myself, I was like, purpose, there was a time you had a hundred dollars in your account. Now you got several thousands in, in, in your account. Like, what's the issue? What's going on? So I had to process that with my therapist. Listen, this is I know this is like a conversation that was meant to happen because it's the same conversation I had with my therapist maybe like a month ago. And it's a conversation I've been having with black friends, particularly who are successful or have reached a level of financial comfort who either didn't grow up with it or as adults and or as adults have had some financial valley that Mm -hmm. really just took them to the bottom. And, And anybody who's been through that knows that it's not just about that that isolated season. It's about the aftermath, right? Because you exactly. got to rebuild. You, you might have credit issues. You may owe taxes. Yes. It takes so long often to get back on solid footing that you literally have PTSD about it. Absolutely. And, and also, too, the crazy thing is looking at need and want can be shameful. Yes. You know what I mean? And that was the revelation for me, like me needing help me needing things, me wanting things, I look at that so shamefully. And so I probably missed out on, on some help that, mm-hmm. I, that I could have needed, that I could have used at the time, but I was viewing it in such a shameful way. And I was like, no, needing and wanting is just a human thing. That has nothing to do with poverty or, or lack. But that was the biggest breakthrough for me. Yes. And, you know, for me, I think the revel it took weeks, but the revelation that I finally had was when... When you grow up in in a culture where like I, I didn't grow up in like, you know, the, the fourth generation college grad where everybody went to Morehouse and Spelman and all of that. Yeah, I yeah. grew up in like 
my family worked. Like everybody is like, you, yes. you're just trying to make it, you know, from week yeah. to week. So growing up in that, I saw money as a means of survival, right? It, it, it was like you were constantly trying to get it just to keep all the balls in the air. Yeah. And even after the degrees and starting my career and, you know, so I had gone through a period of up and down there. For me, I realized that, that my energy towards money was always survival and always trying to prevent the other shoe from dropping. So yeah. even not being in that place financially, any spending of money that was not tied to my survival felt indulgent. And, and, and you felt guilty about it. Yes. You know what I mean? And so one of the things that I do is, I, you know, I believe in tithing and sewing and giving gifts, right? Because I just, you know, that's like a way for me to not feel bound. So I just give gifts. I'll like sew. I'll, you know what I mean? I'll just, I just do random things now or I'll tip really, really nicely. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to have that fear of survival. Like how you said, I want to live in a space of liberation as opposed yes. to feeling bound. And obviously I'm being wise about it, but I also don't want to be, I don't want to be trapped in thinking like, yo, I just need money for survival. It's a tool. It's a means to an end. You know what I mean? Like my perspective on it is completely different now. It's a tool. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I would be doing what I would do it. I, I will be doing what I do for free. I'm grateful that I get paid well to do what I do. But to me, it's always about, when I think about being a life coach, it's never about the money. It's about the impact, the results, the receipts. Mm-hmm. And then the money's just, you know, the byproduct of that. But I don't ever think about, I don't leave with like, oh, how much money I'm getting, da, da, da. I always leave with, Lord, let, help me to impact their lives. And while I'm doing that, you need to give me my coin. <laughs> along with that, but I don't ever lead with thinking about money. And I'm grateful for that. If Absolutely. That it does. It does. And, you know, we've sort of weaved purpose and spirituality and got into this conversation a bit and, and revelations and all of that, which is a great segue because I know that you've done work with churches as well. Yeah. Um, and as somebody who grows, has grown up in church, understand that whole culture. Yeah. I, I'm wondering if, if, you think there's a shift happening to in the approach to mental and emotional wellness at church, right? Where is the conversation changing from just pray, pay your tithes, yeah. so you need a covering and everything yeah. else to work itself out? Do you think yeah. that there's a shift happening? Absolutely. Um, I've spoken at several churches um, during the pandemic, and I just actually spoke to a men's group last Saturday. Um, and it was so powerful because I think the, the Bible, if you really think about it, the Bible really teaches you what therapy is. It's like, you know, it talks about the renewing of the mind, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. So there are some, some principles in the book that apply to mental health. But I think that we don't, we look at it, we look at the Bible totally different than how it's, I think how it was meant to be written, right? And so like, I think they're understanding like, yo, that's not a demon. People's brains look different mm-hmm. under MRI scan if they have bipolar disorder their brains look different. And so I think now the revelation is like, yo, no, mental health is a real thing and we need to talk about it. It doesn't minimize who Jesus is, right? It doesn't minimize who God is. If if we go to the doctor, right, for our physical health, why don't we go to the doctor for our mental health? We don't have an issue with that. You know what I mean? God created the doctors. He created the, the coaches, the therapists, the wellness practitioners, all those, all those, all those things. I think now they're understanding the church is understanding like, yo, it doesn't minimize anything. 
because we want our people to be healthy. We want our people to be around. You can't praise. I mean, I, I look, I believe God can do anything. But I think it's something to be said about working through a process. I, I, I think God is more interested in who you become as opposed to just your immediate miracle. Mm. I think it's I think life is about who you become and what you've endured and what you what you've gone through, that process, that pain, all of that stuff. And to come out on the other side, I think that gives God more glory than anything else. Oh, that's good. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So I so like I think I think they're understanding. I think the church is understanding. My pastor um, actually had my um, one of my professors from Columbia, who's a neuroscientist, explain to the church, like how they've quantified that spirit exists or the various aspects of the brain. The whole session of church was about neuroscience. You know what I mean? Because the mind is so powerful, right? The mind, like they can detect spirit in the brain. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just powerful. And so I think they're just understanding like, yo, like this doesn't minimize who we are. It's integration. We need to integrate. That's what life is about, integration. And so I think the church is is now getting to that space of like, yo, it's time for us to integrate. Mm-hmm. Because and we leave with those same issues. Exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, I I have a lot of sentimental connection to, to the Black church because I, I grew up in that. And there's something to be said for the sense of community. And, and many of us, had our college application fees paid by church yes. folks and, yes. you know, the, the mothers of the church, they come together yes. and they help you. Um, so I, I have, uh, I definitely have, um, a, a, it's a soft spot in my heart for it, yeah. right. As an institution. But also I think there's something to be said. There are churches that are evolving, uh, yeah. like your pastor and, and have these conversations. But I think often the church has played on people in some instances, barely surviving as well. Right. Because we want you to keep coming back. So it shamed the people and shamed people. Yes, absolutely. So there's this need for like congregations often to have that fragility in a way that like you got to come from that for that emotional because a lot of it is emotional, whether we want to admit it or not. That emotional shot every week to get you through the next seven days and come back and do it all over again. And what I'm happy to see is that I think pastors now are understanding the importance of thriving and you can thrive. And it doesn't mean that you walk away from the community, but you don't have to be hanging on by a thread to continue this connection to to a, a, a building and a community and a church as right. well. Or, or feel threatened because your your congregation is thriving where it seems like they may not need the church anymore. No, it's not that. Mm-hmm. It's not that. It's like the spirit needs to be taken care of, but the mind and the body also need to be taken care of. It's a holistic approach that we have to take when it comes to human beings now. It can't just be just the emotion and, and spirit. It has to be the whole thing. Yes, absolutely. And so I know like another niche for you is well-known folks. Yeah. Celebrity, also celebrities. And one of the things I think from the last year too is it was like a level playing field in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And that you were seeing COVID impact people, no matter economic and social class, uh, no matter level of notoriety. Again, everybody was just home, right? Like production shut down. And obviously there are those who have money and and not all celebs have the money that people think they do, but like can, can be at home for a year. So have you continued your work as well with, you know, some well known folks also? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's been, yeah, one in particular, it was, it was really touch and go 
with with that person, um, working with their psychiatrists and, and therapists and just making sure that they were on point because it was triggering for them because mm-hmm. they didn't know what to do. And they already had an underlying mental health issue. And so because and part of when you have a mental health issue, there is a space where you have to understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. That's how you're able to manage it to a degree. But when you don't understand what's going on, you're kind of like your mind kind of goes on autopilot. Right. Yes. And and so it was definitely touch and go with this one person um, for a minute. And obviously, you know, thankfully, the hospital didn't release anything and all those things like that. But it was definitely challenging for a lot of celebrities. And I heard I heard through other people who I didn't work with. They were like, yo, Purvis such and such is really going through it. Like they're mm-hmm. losing their mind. Um, because as you stated earlier, it's like the busyness. Yes. The busyness becomes your identity. And now you're not busy. Who are you? Mm-hmm. And also, I think for a lot of folks in that position, a lot of people are counting on them. Like you have to stay Absolutely. busy so I can get my paycheck. And if yeah. you're not busy, then what? So it's a, it's another, I think, added Absolutely. layer of pressure also. Absolutely. But I think I think even with that, though, I think even beyond that, it was like the deeper thing was like, who am I? Yeah. Why do I do this? Because I think so, I think a lot of celebrities um, really went through some dark moments. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They went through the what they call it Buddhism, dark night of the soul. I think a lot of notable figures went through that because it was like, again, you, you if you think about their average day, they're either doing press or they're traveling, they're shooting, recording. They're doing something right. There's probably not too much downtime. And to have this much downtime, I'm sure it was a blessing for some. But for for some, it was definitely it was definitely a, a, a dark moment for them. And do you think um, as your career continues to evolve mm-hmm. that just like you talked about being called to men in mental health, but also do you think that Hollywood is a space that you're called to? I do. I do. Um, I, it's, it's funny because um, I used to work, you know, I used to work in industry, entertainment industry and things like that. And it's so funny. Like now I just, I feel like I can do it. I can do the work much better than I could have before because I'm no longer like, oh, that's such and such. I'm like, oh, no, that's my client. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like my mindset, like it, I think the Lord took me through that process for a long time. So I wouldn't be like enamored with celebrity that I would just be like, oh, that's a soul. That's a human being as opposed, you know what I mean? As opposed to that's such and such. And so I feel like now Hollywood is definitely um, a thing. Mm-hmm. That's definitely going to be a thing for me. So looking ahead, we know that you are preparing uh, to drop your next book. What can yes. you tell us about that? Um, so the book is called Heal Forward, and I'm really excited about it. It's a, another book for men. Um, the, 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 the concept is that women heal with a future in mind. Men heal with the past in mind. Mm. And so I want men to know that, yes, you've healed the past, but there's also a future for you to have. And so I want you to heal forward with the vision, with the legacy, with the life that you desire. So whether you're 18 or 80, there's still life left to be lived. And I want you to live that that life thriving and maximization and in liberation. And have you set a, a published date yet? <laughs> I haven't. I'm actually checking into a hotel this week um, to try to get it done. Like I'm, I'm like maybe like, I think 8,000 words deep in the book now. 
Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to get to twenty thousand because I, I purposely try to write books that are not too long because I know men are not going to read. <laughs> no shade. They, I just don't I just don't think many brothers out there are going to read thick books. So, um, yeah. So hopefully we I, I will say maybe by the end of the year. OK, got it. By the end of the year. Maybe so. Now we, when we started these, we we would ask people. We would wrap up wrap up by asking them, when yeah. the world opens back up, what's the the first thing you're gonna do? Right now, though, people are kind of outside. Man, so I've been pussy rolling since last year. I've been <laughs> pussy rolling. So, <laughs> so let me ask you this: Is there something that you haven't done that you've been pre- prevented from during the, during this time that you would like to return to? So I miss like block parties. Mm. So that like being around people like, you know, Spike Lee did that Michael Jackson birthday celebration. Like I miss that. Like I miss being around a bunch of people dancing, you know, eating food and just talking to people. I miss that. I mean, even though I've had those experiences, but the the collective of just us partying and having a good time. I miss that. Mm-hmm. Got I, it. So that's that's the one thing I miss. Yeah, I like I so people who listen to the show regularly know like I was home. Like I didn't board flights. I didn't, you know, I was literally in the house, right? I didn't take advantage of like $20 flights. Uh and I'm just now sort of, you know, venturing back out. And because I'm very much like a, a loner kind of person, I did not struggle as much as other people did with, yeah. <laughs> with the lack of social interaction. But I saw a group of people that I know last weekend and it felt so good just to like see a human being in person, have a conversation, share a meal, laugh, be loud. Like, and I don't, I don't think I realized how much I had missed that level of interaction. It's funny because introverts, right? A lot of introverts were like, yo, I miss people. <laughs> and I'm like, the introverts are saying this? One of my good friends, he's an introvert. And he was like, during the pandemic, him and his wife, they would sit in the backyard and they would leave the front door open so I could walk in to the kitchen Mm-hmm. and just talk to them while they were in the backyard. I would be in the kitchen. And he's a, the world's biggest introvert. And so, like, he recognized how much he people are necessary. Right? Even yes. though you refuel, you, you refuel on your own, but people are also necessary. So, like, that illustration is just what you just shared is, like, it's so funny because so many, I'm not saying you're introvert, but I'm just, so many people who who are loners or who are introverts, they all have said the same thing. They've been like, yo, I miss people. I'm like, oh, I'm definitely an introvert. Yeah. Let, yeah. Let's not even get it mistaken. That is definitely yeah. who I am. But it's it's true. It took me a while to get there. I think in the first few months, outside of the anxiety around the illness and all of that, like the first few months, I was loving it. Like catching up on Netflix documentaries, nobody asking me to go anywhere, nobody asking to come over, which is always awkward when you're an introvert because you need your yeah. time. Yeah. Um, but like I now, and I've mentioned this, if not on this show, another show that I might've appeared on, like, I think I value the importance of intimacy in a different way Absolutely. and, and, and intimacy can come in many forms, but needing that human connection, needing physical touch, even in a platonic sense, like you, you need hug, yeah. you know, all of those things I've, I've placed a different value on that. It is so crazy. So during the pandemic, and I, I can say this now, <laughs> I can say it at the time. So my one of my closest friends, she doesn't live too far from me. And she was like, I need people. And I was like, I need people too, right? So it was like, this was like, I think the second month in, I hadn't seen anyone, no human interaction. I went to her house and we hugged each other for like, it felt like an eternity. Mm-hmm. She, she's, she lights all me down. <laughs> she lights all me down. <laughs> so I can't even 
came into her crib, but we hugged for like an eternity. And I didn't realize, like, I, I'm an extrovert. So I, I, I love people, right? People are my, are my business. But I didn't realize the gravity of that until I hugged my friend. We hugged each other forever. Mm-hmm. And it made me so appreciative of, of relationships, of community, things that I took for granted. I couldn't go to my favorite. You had Brooklyn Tea on here. You had uh, J- yes. Jamila on here. Jamila will tell you, I was in Brooklyn Tea every day. Mm. I, I, I hated the fact that I couldn't go to Brooklyn Tea because just the community. Yeah. You know, so it was like that messed with my mind more than anything else that I couldn't interact with people. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i definitely like, I've got a new appreciation. I've got a new appreciation for this show. And like, you know, it was a grind doing these interviews in person, but I can't wait to like sit across from the person that <laughs> I'm talking to and, and feeling their energy in a different way. Let me ask you a question. How do you feel knowing that the people that you've interviewed on this show, their brands have elevated? Like everybody's brand is elevated for the most part. That people that I know that you've interviewed, every person that I talk to, right, particularly those who like left an impression on me, yeah. the listeners, and you have those one-off interviews where like, oh, it was cool, but you know, but people who particularly bring their whole self to the show yeah. and pull the curtain back, that level of authenticity can't be bought, right? And right. every one of those people has said to me, Jamila came on and said this was the first interview I did. And, you know, to watch how we've come and people said, like, you changed my whole life. Like, I left my job. I, I'm, I'm now in speaking full time or I release things that I never thought I would release publicly. So to watch how people's gr- brands have grown, it's been a beautiful thing. And, you know, I've had people ask me sort of backhandedly, um, you know, how do you feel that you've been this conduit for folks and you guys are sort of like, trudging along in a sense, or you speak, you do this. And some people have really blown up on, on your back. Well, first of all, nobody's blown up on my back, right? right? This show is just another mechanism for their journey and what God has for them. So yeah. for me to be used, and yeah. I mean that in the, the most positive way, used yeah. by God, used by spirit yeah. to really usher somebody into a ne- the next chapter of their life and be one component of many yeah. is I'm honored around that, that right? honor to be a conduit because honestly I've helped a lot of people as well whose careers and lives mm-hmm. have taken off and people ask me do you feel bitter about it I say no I did what I was supposed to do yes that that's it <laughs> and you know for me I think it all serves as reinforcement yeah. of what this platform is always meant to be that you're in purpose that you're in purpose and it's crazy because you were the first person that I admitted the rat and homeless story to and you know how many people have come on and said that? I, I never, we press stop. They're like, I've never told anybody that before. I literally, because I felt so comfortable with you. Mm-hmm. And in sharing that, I was like, there's no shame to that purpose because it really just shows how resilient you are. And I had to have that self-narrative with myself because I think I had, I, I know I had shame around it. And now I talk about it. I open the first pages of Heal Forward, I'm talking about homelessness and rats, mm-hmm. and all, of that, all of that stuff. And that was that was because you created a space for me to, to be liberated. So I just wanted to celebrate you and tell you thank you for that. I, I appreciate that. And I, as hard as this work is, people have no idea. You and I were talking about it a bit, what goes on behind the scenes to keep yeah. this little show running, right? It's not a but, little show. But, you know, I, I received that. 
yeah. I, I received that. I, I know for me, it's like, I know where the show is going. Yeah. I, I, I have a vision for this show that goes five, 10 years down the line and what yeah. it's going to expand into. But for me, I see every one of these interviews and there's so many moments I've had with people where they say, oh, you're in spirit or this is so timely. So that tells me that I'm right where I'm supposed to be. It, it doesn't matter whether I'm on television or not. It doesn't matter whether we're booking the big names or not, who people see as big names. Um, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And, and I am being honed. My skills are being honed. I'm going through my own journey. I've had self-revelation through this process. Um, I've, I've had my own unresolved hurts uncovered and healed just by mm-hmm. doing the show. So I am being prepared and pruned week after week after week for whatever the rest of my journey looks like. So I don't feel behind. I don't feel like, yo, this this guest, they came on the show, the episode blew up and they blew up before I did. I don't feel any of that. I, I literally feel like I part of my purpose is giving people freedom to tell the truth and yeah. and and freedom from holding things in and feeling like I, I can't talk about this and I've got to put up a front or a facade and how that continues to evolve for me as a storyteller, yeah. you know, as a, as a, as a person, as, as a woman, I'm looking forward and I'm excited by that journey. Even if this is just the beginning in some ways still. Yeah, no, it, it, it I think it's, I think it's dope what you just, what you just shared, but I also think it's just so important that we just let people know, like it, certain people aren't able to disarm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's a skill. That's a gift. That's an anointing, right? And I think about when I was sitting at that table, the you know, the dinner, and I was just like, wow, these are like people from all walks of life, like Jeff Lindor. Like, Jeff Lindor is going to be an icon. Yes. And you know what I mean? Like, he's going to be an icon. Aisha is going to be an icon. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was saying to myself, I was just like, I had, I was sitting at the table and I'm just looking, I'm just like, does she even know? I was saying to myself, I was like, does Delisha even know, like, what is happening here? And I'm happy that you have a revelation of it that you understand. Yeah. And and I, I love that who I know these people are going to become and to be on this journey this early. And one of the things that DeMarcus always says is that when we call in a favor and say, oh, can you come back on the show or, hey, we're doing this fundraiser. Can you, you know, donate a product yeah. or what have you? Yeah. The response is always anything for I mean, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Anything for y'all. And I think that just speaks to like the real connection. Like we're not ang- we're not out for anybody. We're not angling to take or use. Um, we just want to support and we want to tell our stories because to your early, earlier point, we are not a monolith. And, you know, what does the what are the ties that bind all of us in the midst of all of these really unique stories and really unique walks of life? So it's been and it's been an amazing journey for us. And I'm just excited to see how people continue to grow, how yeah. your brand continues to grow um, and where it takes you. It's already taken you across the world. But where else uh, where else you arrive as well? I forgot. To, I forgot to share this. I actually just signed a contract with a wellness company in the UK. Really? Yeah. It's called Reset. And um, they, they consider me a guru in the space of, of coaching. And what's amazing about that experience, and I, if to leave a nugget with anybody, is, you know, you never know who's going to celebrate you, who's going to honor you and receive you as you are. I did a presentation for them on Friday where they can ask the coach questions, right? It was mm-hmm. the old executive board. And it was like maybe one Black person on the call. It's fine, whatever. But at the end of that call, the, 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 the Brits were like, oh, my God where did you come from? 
Mm. I've never, this has been the best hour of our lives. And I'm not saying it to gas me up. I'm saying it to say like staying in purpose and operating in excellence. You don't know what doors are going to open. I had no idea. They found me. I had, you, you don't know who's watching. You don't know who's right. checking for you. You don't know whose lives you're inspiring. So it, anybody who watches this, this, uh, this interview, just stay in excellence. Because you don't know what doors are going to open up for you. And the same thing for you, Delisha. You don't know what door. It could be that one person who watches it, right? I repost or somebody reposts and they're like, oh my gosh, she's incredible. We need her to be a commentator on CNN. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you just don't know. But just stay in excellence. That's a good word. Now now I need to send your offering. And- <laughs> <laughs> no, but you get what I'm saying? Like, no, that's the truth. Because I did this for 10 years and no one was saying purpose, good job. Mm-hmm. But I didn't care about that. I cared about making an impact and honoring God, right? Because I feel like that's how you honor God when you do what he created you to do. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's how you honor God. Um, and, 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 and so, like, I did it. I didn't do it for the rewards. I didn't do it for the attention. And now that things are starting to open up, my mission is still the same. Change lives. Be a vessel used to change lives. Be a conduit. I like that word, conduit. Be a conduit for change and wholeness in people. So, yes, stay in excellence. Like, this is excellence. And, you know, people come to me, and I'll I'll say this before I let you go. People who know me well, and they know when I'm juggling too many things and life is getting crazy and guests cancel or something happens. And there's there's a small small subset of people where they say, oh, just skip it. You know, just skip an episode. Why why do you, whatever, take some time off. and, And I think people should... Their well-being should be of utmost importance. And if you need to take time off, great. But for me, yeah, you like the, con- <laughs> the consistency. I don't care if it's five people who are logging in, you know, yeah. or 5,000. It's the consistency for me. And what yeah. I always think about, and I've mentioned it on this show, we have a small contingency of listeners who are, when the episode drops at, you know, 3 a.m. in the morning on Tuesday, I don't know who these people are between like three and six thirty, and they're some of them are not in the U.S., but yeah. they're on it. I know from the locations, it's mainly the same people over and over, and so it's like somebody is being so fed from this that the moment the episode drops, when they get up in the morning and they get into their workout or their commute, they're pressing play, mm-hmm. and those are the people who I think about when things are not going my way. And I'm like, ugh. and people are like, you should just take a week off. It's not about like the hundreds of people or the thousands or the, the person who could might hear it. Yeah. yeah. It's the people who rock with us week in and week out who are clearly yeah. fed in the right way. That's really what, what keeps me going on top of me just being type A and, and, and being someone who's a creature of habit. But yeah. that like, I feel like if, if we've heard it, I've heard it my whole life. If you're faithful over a few things, you'll be ruler over much. But for me, if this is a proving ground. And if, if I can continue to sow into this show when life is difficult now and I've built up that goodwill and people know, like, if nothing else, she's going to get on that screen. DeMarcus is going to book the guest and we're going to make it happen. Like, to me, this is a proving ground for what is to come down the, down yeah. the road. And again, like I said, I don't know if I was being prophetic, but that CNN thing, what I just did was like, I was like, where'd that come from? But yeah. And you know, I, you're like the third person who's mentioned that in the last couple of months. And I'm that's like the farthest thing from my mind. Um, but listen, I'm taking it. I'm taking it in. Look, I say stuff. I, I never share this with you, but I say stuff and it happens. I ask, ask my friends. I say stuff, the wildest stuff and it, and it, and it matters. Yeah. 
You did tell me a man wasn't it one time. I don't know if you remember that. You was like, yeah. he, he ain't it. <laughs> was I right, though? You were right. Oh, you were absolutely right. And I received it then because, you know, I was already like, uh, yeah. So you were correct. Now, if you can find the one, let me know. Holler at me on that. But <laughs> so the one will the one will find you doing what you do. I'm with it. I am with that for sure. He will, find you, doing, he will find you doing what you do. All right. Listen, I think that's a great, a great note to, uh, to end <laughs> on. <laughs> Where can people find you online? Um, you can find me at Purvis Taylor uh, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can go to my new website, PurvisTaylor.com. I actually just updated it recently. So yes, love that. Yeah. And he'll forward. I probably will be doing pre-orders next month. Okay. Awesome. So we'll be on the lookout for that. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm so proud and just so excited about things, how things have evolved for you. And because you've been, like you said, you've been doing the work, you were doing the work way before 2018 and doing the work when it was thankless. So I'm just, I'm looking forward to see where you go from here. Same. And I'm, and I look forward to doing another check-in. Yes, absolutely. All of us are at different places. So I, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Thank you so much for seeing me. I appreciate that. That means you have no idea how much that means to me to be seen. So thank you. I, I love that. To our listeners, you know what to do. If you are, I know you've been touched and impacted by something that Purvis has said, but if you want to learn more about his work, check him out online. If you're looking to work with him, You know how we promote coaches and therapy on this show. If you need a little bit of help, got to work through some things, reach out, send them a note. If you've enjoyed this episode, like, share, subscribe, tell a neighbor about it. And you know the last thing, as always, remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. God bless. Thank you for listening to the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa and music was provided by Thovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26er. That's December 26ER.